0: How's it going everybody hope everyone's having a fantastic day and you already know what time it is I invite you to pull up a chair sit back and relax and welcome you to season two episode nine of the SPEMA council podcast we can all we can already taste double digits in terms of in terms of episode counts we're almost there and uh let me tell you uh we're gonna get we're, we're gonna we're gonna get there because um we have uh some we have some uh, other guests uh confirmed that. uh Will get us to that milestone, uh, but uh, but for, but for now, uh, we have a great episode uh, planned for you t- t- today. Uh, joining us now, uh, he uh, a, a fellow SPEMA Council member uh, and debuting co-host. Not a big deal, and sporting the Lanny McDonald-esque mustache. If you're watching this on YouTube, it's already November fifth, and I ha- and I have to tell you that's probably this is probably the greatest start to November I have seen in a while. Jake Matthews, welcome to the show, buddy.
1: Thanks for having me. It's quite an intro. <laughs> I don't know if I put that to that high of standards, but. <laughs>
0: In, in the, in in the industry, it's called pumping the tires. Yeah. (laughs) gotta make people look good Uh, (laughs) to make, to make it, to make it entertaining, but uh, uh, glad, glad to have you on. And uh, this is actually an interesting episode Uh, because our guest uh, for this episode, uh, Tyler Matthews is actually your brother. So uh, first time we've had some family influence in this podcast um, you know, uh, what'd you think, what, you know, what'd you, what, and, you know, I mean, this is kind of an easy question for you than, other, than, you know, other episodes, uh, what you, you, know, uh, what'd you think of it and, uh, how do you think it went?
1: I think it went well. He had a good perspective on the law side, which isn't always talked about. And there's even more law classes coming to Brock. So I think there's a discrimination in the law fourth year class next year. So it's good to have more awareness of that side of the sport industry.
0: Yeah, de- definitely. I mean, uh, br- he brings up a lot of good, a, a, a lot of interesting points uh, from his from his time at the uh, Sport Disputes uh, Resolution Center of can- uh, of Canada, um, and his you know his current responsibilities juggling both his role with athletes can and pursuing his, uh, his his juris doctor in law in Western University, which you know is is no is no easy feat. You know, at one point, uh, at one point at the end of the episode, he brought up um, uh, an in, uh, an interesting um, thing with, uh, with 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 cases related to we um, related to, to the pandemic, which I which you know, considering that there's no precedent for it, is is pretty interesting, eh? Hmm.
1: Yeah. No one really knew what to expect with any of this, so I have to just work on the fly and seem to be doing a good job in handling it all.
0: Yeah, and you know, you know, when you don't have precedent, um, to cases where, you know, and, and for those new listeners, just precedent is, is sort of like a framework to build off to build off, um, law cases. that usually compare uh, similar similar cases to um, uh, to result uh, to uh, to resol- to resolve disputes. Um, but you know, it's it's an entire new thing where you know, they where apparent where apparent where, where they had to think on the fly, uh which which was uh which which was which was really cool. But uh, you know, another thing that stood out to me again was the fact that he's balancing um his, uh, balancing his, uh, his, uh, his professional responsibilities with his dot with his doctorate, which, you know, again it's no easy task, but, uh, he taught, he touched upon this great point of, uh, you know, making sure you have, uh, some time for yourself to do some other things, which, you know, I think is, uh, such an important thing, especially, uh, especially in the climate that we're in.
1: Definitely. Anytime you can just try to get your mind off of school, you know, probably make you more productive later on when you go back to, Doing more
0: work, yeah, yeah, de- de- def definitely. You know, I'll bring the. I I brought this up in uh, in the episode recording, but uh, I'm taking I'm taking up two sports that I haven't played in uh, in a, in, a, in a in a couple of years. Uh, was an absolute liability uh, on the uh, 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 on on the court in uh, my in my in my playoff match in tennis. Did not go too well when i when i realized okay the guys the the guy the guys the guys hitting 70 mile an hour plus on his on, on his serves and i can't and i and i can and i can catch that but at least at least at least at least at least it keeps me in shape but uh yeah, exactly. scores aren't scores aren't scores aren't scores aren't too pretty so uh it takes a little <laughs> hit to the ego let's just say that but um any final thoughts before uh, we hit on to we head on uh, to the main event uh I don't think so.
1: I think everyone gonna enjoy the episode and you no know, good sides to the law in the sport industry.
0: Definitely, definitely. Well uh, on that note, uh thanks again, Jake, for coming on to co-host. Let's head over to uh, Tyler Matthews of Athletes Can. We hope you guys enjoy. Mm-hmm. All right. And like I said before, welcome to yet another episode of the Spema Council Podcast, and we got another great guest uh, on the show today. Uh, Brock Spema alumni from the class of twenty seventeen. He is the current program manager at Athletes Canada, and this is a first for uh, for the episode for uh, the Spema Council Podcast because uh, we got. Uh, a uh, family influence going on. Uh, The brother of uh, our uh, guest co host today, Jake Matthews. Tyler Matthews, welcome to the show, my man.
2: Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate the invite.
0: No problem. No problem. Uh, The start of the show, as we always do, it's a little tradition around here to do so. Uh, Tyler, uh, what makes your uh, career story unique?
2: Uh, Well, I... I think i wanted Brock's Bema from probably about the middle of high school which is probably not unique it's a pretty well-known program and everyone wants to be included i think um but kind of funnily enough when i got to brock i had no interest in the law whatsoever Interesting. um it was some the second year class which i'm sure you guys know about the the sport law class that's required of everyone um i did not want to take it at all i heard horror stories i was not interested um i even put it off to third year because i just it sounded so boring to me
0: really damn
2: then I finally obviously I had to take it to graduate so I took it in third year and I loved that class it was like the best class that I was in for my whole four years there and that was what really sparked my interest in the law and I took any law related course that I could while I was at Brock after that which I didn't leave myself much time since I put off the second year course till theater but um, that was probably what really directed me on the path that I'm on right now to Western Law was the that course and then the ones that I took out of interest afterwards.
0: Uh like that that's 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 kind of insane. Like, you know, with 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 the with these sort with these sort of things, you know, the common story is like, oh well I wanted to be I want to be in this field. So I set myself up for this. Like, you know, this is an example of, you know, finding finding your finding your finding your niche, you know, at the back half of, uh, of your, of your, of your SPEMA, of your SPEMA ch- tenure. And, uh, you know, what's interesting about that is like, you know, it, you know, uh there's never, uh it, it's, you're not, you're, there's never a time where it's too late to, you know, to find your, to find your niche, to, uh to find your niche, even if it's, um even if it's something that you heard negative things about and, you know, decide, decide to put off. Cause you know in this in in this industry and how it's evolving you you never uh you never know like like with, like with this like with this show i can remember you know for a long time i like i didn't even know uh a thing about podcasting or had an, or had an interest in it but uh you know disco- the you know discovered discovered this and 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 he, and he and uh and he, and here we are you know it's funny it's funny how life works as the old saying goes
2: Yeah, you realize pretty quick when you get to the program, I think that we can't all just be dubious and hop right into a GM spot with the Maple Leafs. So definitely find something else that you find really interesting and how you can uh, leave your mark on the sport industry.
1: Even the professors tell you that in their first class, straight up, you won't be the GM. Yeah, Yeah.
2: (laughs) someone's already in the position, it's not ours. All
0: right, Jake, I'll pass the baton to you for the next question, man. Okay
1: during your SPEMA time were there any mo- moments that had a big influence on your decision to go into law?
2: Yeah, aside from the course in general, more specifically, I, th- I think uh, sport court, which probably a big influence. I don't know if that program is still run, because I know the professor, uh, Professor Finley retired soon after I left the school. Um, but she basically organized it so that every student in the sport law course would have the opportunity to um, argue a mock case at the Court of Justice in St. Catharines in front of an actual judge and two professors as the panel. Um, That was really exciting to actually be in the the courthouse and arguing in front of a judge and it was like really exhilarating and there is just like a shot of adrenaline. Um, I was like extremely nervous the whole time um, for that experience but I think that that moment was what it like the excitement that followed afterwards was like I want to do that again, even though it was kind of terrifying. Um was there
0: a crowd. Was there a crowd there or, or was just uh was just like general nerves in front of a, co- in in front in front in the in that environment?
2: I think there wasn't well, there was a few students watching. I wouldn't it's not much of a crowd. I wouldn't say that's where the nerves came from. It was probably just the fact that it was like an actual judge and two of my professors watching me argue a case in front of them that just like made me nervous. you're the only one standing the whole time so you can feel like your legs shaking felt like the start of that Eminem song but there was like like i think that the practical um elements of law school i think like overall to answer the question would be what had the most influence on me to get into law um aside from that one probably i think this course is probably still offered as like a negotiation and mediation course i think it was in fourth year um so like every week after kind of learning some theoretical stuff like you would normally see in class we got the opportunity to do a mock negotiation with another student in the class and I think that and the sport court experience were both just like very hands-on this is how things actually are Um, and I think those made me want to take part in those types of activities long term and learn how to do them more effectively which brought me to law school.
0: (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's sort of, it sort of brings to the, to the importance of, you know, applicable, you know, applicable practical experience, whether directly related or not, or not, it's so crucial to developing, to developing, sk- to developing skills, uh, character, character traits, um, uh, positive qualities that employers can, uh, can, uh, can, per- can, perceive, can perceive you as, um, so, so, so definitely that seemed like, you know, a, a great experience to, uh, to be, to be a part, to be a part of, and, you know, uh, you know, with regards to speaking in front of, with, with speaking in front of people, especially since it, since it was, a since it was a case, uh, I've had, I've had similar, I've had, you know, I've had similar experiences of, of doing, of doing that. So I know the feeling of, you know, stepping up to speak and you're the only one there. It's a nerve wracking experience, but the adrenaline rush you get from it, once you're in the moment and once you're, uh, and once you're actually executing your points, uh, there's no there's no feeling quite, there's no feeling quite like that. Uh, I'm sort of segueing into the third question here, which is which uh, relates to uh, where you are now uh, at Western University uh, after your time in the SPIMA program. Uh, that's where you are that's where uh, you're pursuing your juris doctor in law. And um, just want to uh, know how that experience has been for for you and uh, what's it like to balance uh, uh, academic responsibilities along with uh, professional uh, responsibilities that uh, athletes can.
2: Yeah, that's a good question. And the academic responsibilities are a lot heavier than when I was in SPEMA. Um, It's like a it's a whole different type of busy because back at Brock, I think I really only needed to work hard right around exam time and like around when papers were due. It definitely wasn't a continuous grind for the whole semester. Whereas now it's like long days every day just to keep up with your readings or assignments. It's it's definitely different. Um, I guess the good thing is that there's like a great environment at Western where all the students are willing to help each other, you know, passing notes or just helping with assignments. Uh, The professors are the same, they wanna see us do well. So I think the environment around us can make it very beneficial and they definitely uh, make that part of it easier. Um, In terms of balancing the extracurriculars, um, I think, that extracurriculars are actually like a nice break from your schoolwork I I think like it's definitely it'll make you even busier which can be stressful at times but when you're putting in like 12 hours just on like legal reading you kind of want to do something different and not have it feel like you're just wasting your time because that can be a big thing definitely like just putting on a show on Netflix it really feels like oh my god I'm wasting my time right now but if you can find some sort of club or extracurricular that you're really interested in, then it feels like you're you're, you're doing something important and not wasting your time, even though you're not looking at your academics at the moment. Um, so, like I've done, I did a few a few moots, which are which are basically kind of like a sport court type of situation, a mock legal case that the the school hosts. Um, so I did one in a hockey arbitration, um, and then some non sport related ones, but. Yeah, like the the cases that I work on at Sports Solution with athletes can it's somewhat of a distraction from my school stuff but also just like spending the time on the stuff that you actually enjoy I think is really important to to keep yourself from going insane.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Like, like especially like especially this year with uh, with the majority of of, cl- of classes online like you really notice points where where your mind's like, that's it. I got you. I got you. I got you something else. that, um, you don't have that break. You don't have that, um, breaking point. Um, uh, you know, sorry, you don't have the, um, your, uh, break of, you know, going to classes, interacting with people and stuff like that. So, you know, uh, you gotta, gotta, so, you know, you gotta, I guess you gotta, you gotta, you know, uh, it's, it's some, some, it's, uh, it's a situation for people where, uh, you know, they have to push out of their comfort zone theme of the show, uh, to, uh, to uh to do new th- to do some things that uh, they you know they wouldn't normally be doing just to just to keep th- just to keep themselves busy like i found found myself uh, picking up sports that i hadn't played in i'd say 3 or 4 years which was uh which was tennis which was tennis and badminton uh did i uh did i did i get uh, did i uh, did i lose badly a couple of times uh yes but uh but you know was it a way to you know, uh, let some stress, let some stress go and, uh, you know, and stay in shape of the process. Also, al- also, al- also, also, yes. So, you know, it's a unique challenge that, uh, that, uh, that the current, uh, climate that we're in has, uh, has brought and, uh, you know, unfortunately as harsh as it may, uh, as, as it, as it may, as it may, as it may seem, uh, everyone's got to adapt in, in, in some, in some way or else, uh, uh or else uh, you're not you're not going to you're not going to do too well.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. Like right now, you know, doing your classes and assignments from home just staring at your screen all day can really tire you out and yeah, you need to get out and do some stuff because I know last year even just going to the school was a big difference just having that little commute time to relax a little bit and then your time between classes to talk to your friends and stuff, even though we were pretty much talking about our law classes anyways it was still a nice break from class itself which is different this year so it's it's good to branch out and still try to get some of those activities in
1: so before you went to athletes can you spent some time in montreal at the sport dispute and resolution center developing concept for them what were the process like developing the publications for the sport community there
2: yeah, so the, the SDRCC has two mandates. One is the more known one of um, like hosting an appeal process for athletes through mediation or arbitration. Um, the second one is dispute prevention through education. Um, so some of those resources that we try to develop for the sport community are basically ideas from scratch based on um, an issue that we see in the sport community so for example um, we worked on a guide for sport administrators for the anti-doping process because it seemed like that was an area where there might have been a bit of a knowledge gap um, kind of just based on our observations from the anti-doping cases that we were seeing at the SDRCC. Um, so those those pieces those content they're they're published on our website but i think um so they're accessible to anyone but i think more importantly um the hard copies are brought to whether it be like uh, conferences workshops um stuff like that where the the staff of the sdrc actually go to other locations to um, provide some educational services to sport organizations and they're handed out there and i think um yeah like it's definitely important for the sport community to have all these things pretty much any issue you can think of from a sport law perspective, the SDRCC's tried to have some sort of resource available um, for people to be able to look at and learn from. Um, I'd say that was probably one of my favorite parts of working there was looking into stuff like that.
0: And, uh, and, and what, uh, and what sport organizations do, uh, 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 use the, use these resources typically, is it like a collection of NSOs, PSOs, or, uh, or, you know, some small organizations or or, you know, does it, uh, do, or is it like a mixture of all three?
2: I would say it's a mix of all three for the people who seek out that information on the SDRC's website. Um, just because. Only NSOs are funded through Sport Canada to receive SDRCC uh, alternative dispute resolution services for free, right. um, whereas PSOs would have to pay for that service, um, even though these that the, this content is still available to them online for free, obviously. Um, but I think uh, most of the disputes that come before the SDRCC would be NSOs, so I would presume that it's mostly them um, looking into it. But with that being said, if... If the staff of the SDRCC was to do like a workshop or seminar or some sort of presentation and actually go to the offices of an NSO or PSO, if that's a service that could be offered to both of them, I would say the majority of the time it probably would have been an NSO, but there's definitely PSOs looking for that as well.
0: Yeah, yeah uh yeah good 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 points all good points are around uh i mean you know they're uh you know uh these these publications i imagine tackle a wide range uh tackle a wide range of uh, tackle a wide range of issues and uh and and and, and you know uh the uh legal issues are uh might be kept under the radar for uh you know for privacy reasons in the uh in, in this in, in this country but uh you know i imagine it's important for them uh to, for, for them that for them to have in case you know they have to deal with uh with a specific situation in court that uh, that might be you know damaging to the organization's reputation or involves an employee or or anything or anything of that matter uh sort of building on to that question and uh going into your current role with athletes can uh you work as a caseworker and uh program manager specifically advocating for athletes uh was that Area advocation, a, a passion for yours, and uh, you know, what's the process like <laughs> when you know you get an, uh, a specific advocation case for uh, for an a- for an athlete?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question, and I think the interest started, like I said, at Brock with Sport Court. That was probably like the beginning of it, but it definitely built at the STRC. That like one of my favorite parts about working there was of just like listening into the cases and seeing how um the lawyers are arguing for certain issues on behalf of their clients and but one of the things that i saw at the SDRCC, especially was that athletes are always going up against these big nsos who definitely have the advantage advantage because um, they make decisions and it's kind of like a general assumption that what they did was correct unless you can prove otherwise which is kind of a tough burden to meet um, and not to mention that they obviously have way more money than most athletes would, um, and always have uh, legal counsel on their side as well. So that, that was kind of a time where I noticed that I think I wanna be repre- or advocating for athletes um, just because they're kind of the, the little guy in this scenario. They're going up against someone much more, or much bigger and uh, more powerful um so yeah i think that's where it started like i knew that after i worked there that was something i wanted to do at sports solution with western law i looked into this program um, the program of athletes can uh, well before i applied to western i knew it was available and that was a goal of mine because i wanted to advocate for athletes going back before i started here Um, in terms of the actual process um, advocating for athletes is kind of It can be different in different scenarios you kind of just whatever their interests are we're trying to further them or make sure that they have a voice Um, it it comes down to sometimes making sure that their rights are respected throughout a process Um, our clients might not always have a strong case but we um, we have the goal of ensuring that you know their rights are respected throughout uh, an entire entire appeal Um, more specifically it kind of starts out normally an athlete will contact us when there is a internal appeal about some sort of decision made at the NSO level, such as, you know, I wasn't selected to the Olympic team, but I made, I met the selection criteria, something like that, for example. Um, And then if it's not resolved in their favor, it usually, it could go to the SDRCC for an appeal there. Um, And our job is um, to represent them in mediation or arbitration. Um, both presenting the arguments for them and, like I said, making sure that their uh, rights are respected. Um, and it can also involve some a lot of preparation for them because the athletes usually like to make sure their own voice is heard during mediation or negotiation, so making sure that they're prepared and making sure that all the documents that they need to submit to the tribunal are prepared effectively as well.
1: So far while you've been working Athletes Canada, has it been a certain experience or highlight with an athlete or case that stands out or that you've been most proud about?
2: Yeah. um, Without having to, I guess, divulge confidential information about a certain case, I think just a more general highlight, which is kind of surprising, I think is that um, some of the issues that have been repercussions of the COVID-19 pandemic on the, sport community have I think resulted in some interesting legal issues actually that we've had to deal with Um, at first when when the Tokyo games were canceled along with pretty much all other national sport competition um, it seemed like we didn't really know what kind of cases we were going to get or if we were going to get any because basically teams weren't being selected at that time Um, but it's brought it's brought forth a lot of interesting issues now such as Um, Like, like I said, with team selection issues, um, either the NSO has changed their criteria late in the process because of COVID or they failed to and maybe an athlete's trying to argue that they should have changed it because whatever it used to be is no longer fair, because maybe like a world championship was canceled and the selection criteria says, you know, if you do well in the world championship, you could move on and make a team something like that for a very basic example or just um, we've seen some like return to play issues with um, NSOs, you know, saying that like competitions are starting, um, travels required or training with other people is required again. Um, But some of the athletes are kind of nervous about that and worried about, you know, obviously catching the virus or getting someone else sick or any sort of issue like that. So, um, but that's been, a lot more interesting than I thought it would have been prior to the outbreak. Um, there's just been, yeah, a lot of legal issues that have rose that I wasn't expecting that have actually made made for some pretty interesting legal work and uh, new arguments that we've had to formulate to advocate for our clients that didn't exist before. Usually, you know, we, can, we can look at case law, we can ask our supervisor about um, what their thoughts on certain cases are, but right now we kind of just need to work as a team and come up with new arguments because this stuff hasn't existed before so we're trying to set precedents and and make sure that you know the athletes rights are respected through COVID even though no one knew what that meant a year ago
0: yeah definitely I mean like the point the point of precedent you bring up is is so true like uh, literally it's it, it's a trial by fire with some or, with some organizations like we've heard this we've heard we've obviously heard the stories of you know the impacts that it's brought um, uh, on a professional level, on a public level, on a nonprofit level. Wherever there's bound to be some sort, some sort of an, some sort of impact. And you know, like navigating through this legal maze without any ro- without any roadmap to you know solving the case, solving the cases where you know in the past. You sort of had uh, a framework to build off to build off on, uh, from is, uh, is 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 uh, you know pro- is I imagine both a challenge but um, uh, ex- exciting exciting to work uh, as well because you know uh, you're because now you're setting Preston for any other health related uh, issues that uh, that could come up. Uh, in, uh, in future cases, although let's hope it doesn't, uh, in the, um, in, in, uh, in athletes can, and at the, uh, uh, sport dispute and resolution center. So, uh, that's, that's that, you know, that seems like, uh, again, a challenging experience, but, um, it seems like a great opportunity as well. Uh, well, Tyler, uh, we thank you for, uh, for coming onto the podcast and, uh, and, uh, sharing your, and sharing your, uh, experience in the world of sport law. Um, it's an area that, uh, that you know, we haven't uh, touched on before, but it was great to have you on, uh, to, uh, to share your story and experiences, uh, to our, to our listeners, which, uh, I hope you take at least a couple of things from it today, but, uh, as we, as we do every time with the podcast, um, uh, we, we like to hand uh, over to the uh, head over to the listener uh, for their for their final thoughts you can say us anything that's on uh, that's on your mind or, um, or 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 just again anything, anything you want to so uh, as we say uh, many many times here in the Supreme council podcast Tyler the floor is yours
2: yeah thanks will and Jake I really appreciate you guys taking the time and having me on today um, yeah it was a great experience and I hope that I can. Have something that uh, the current students can take away and maybe learn from. Um, don't be afraid to, you know, pursue the law. Go into the sport law class uh, a little bit more open-minded than me. I was dreading it, and it turned out to be uh, the course that really brought me to where I am today. So, not just with that class, but I would say with any class, you know, go into it thinking that this could be the class that. Uh, really makes me decide on what I want to do with my life because I think that could be any class that actually has that effect um and yeah um enjoy the rest of your semester guys you know it's the Harvard of sport management so enjoy every second of it
0: while you're still there (laughs) for sure for sure Tyler thanks so much for being on we appreciate it all right thanks guys take care Another awesome episode in the books. Thanks so much to our guest for this week, Tyler Matthews, for coming on to the show. Uh, like I said before, former Brock FEMA student and current Western uh, Law graduate student. Uh, another jack of all trades on the podcast that seems to be balancing a thousand things at once. But it was great to hear your story of how you got interested and um, involved with uh, the uh, law side of the industry. And you know, it's some, it's an area where we haven't explored a lot as a podcast so to those uh, interested in pursuing uh, sport law as a potential uh, career in the sport industry uh, we hope that um, we brought uh, some of those aspects to light uh, for you uh, to help you in some way, shape, or form. Uh thanks again to uh, our get my guest co-host Jake Matthews for uh coming on to the episode. Uh made it a little more special, especially since um uh Tyler's your brother. Um and um oh and you were uh, again you were awesome to have on and uh you're welcome to uh come co-host again uh, anytime. But uh until next episode. Uh it next episode's a huge one for us. We're officially in double digits. Uh, <clears throat> for us for season two so again it's gonna be a big one and you don't want to miss it but until episode 10 we say thank you so much for listening stay classy and god bless we'll see you guys soon cheers folks